Hey, good morning, good afternoon or good evening to you, depending on when you have tuned in to this edition of Hypnosis Week. With myself, Alex Williams-Smith by birth, but better known to many of you in the hypnosis world as Jonathan Royal, the British bad boy of hypnosis of MagicalGuru.com. And I'm delighted to have... Um, Yes, the gentleman I'm about to introduce you to is a trained hypnotherapist. Yes, he is. However, that is not the main reason I've asked him to come on the show. It's because uh, as those who studied my uh, elite hypnosis boot camp will know, a lot of my views go against uh, what the so-called respectable, I'm using that term loosely, respectable clinical hypnotherapy trainings will teach you. Uh, hence, I also do stage hypnosis shows. Now, a lot of people say that's complete and utter cobblers. And on the one hand, I say, yes, it is cobblers. It gives people an excuse to do daft things on stage. But from another angle, there's an underlying psychology that when you understand it and use it, can take people further into doing things they wouldn't have normally done, even using it as an excuse and take them to a realm where there's a point of no return and they end up doing things that, thank God they've got the excuse afterwards, the hypnotist made them do it because otherwise they'd be mortally embarrassed. Uh, I'm also a believer that hypnotherapy, you know, people say you cannot make people do things against their will, their morals or their values with hypnosis. And my key in a sentence to that is that you've not been taught properly then quite frankly, because Delavar, a.k.a. Gordon Me, who taught me and his parents, his grandparents and his great grandparents were hypnotists or mesmerists, as it was called back then. Um, in their books, going back well over 100 years, they categorically tell you how you can use hypnosis to create mind controlled assassins, for example. And uh, Dell's family did indeed work with the British Army. So I was drawn to the gentleman I'm about to introduce you to uh, a few years ago now when I got more heavily involved in in wanting to make vocal my findings and thoughts on effectively mind control. Um, even if you're a clinical hypnotherapist, I would hope you've heard of things like MK Ultra. A lot of you probably think, oh, that's all conspiracy theory nonsense. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, but arguably two of the best books I have read in terms of if you've not read anything else and you want to get a, 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 an overview, an understanding, an insight and guidance on where to look further for more information. Because uh, that's the key. Don't believe one source. You know, go out, look and research and come to your own conclusions. But two of the best books you will find um, have very similar titles, except one's volume one, one's volume two. They're called Your Thoughts and Not Your Own, volumes one and volume two, by the gentleman who is on the screen, the man himself, Mr. Neil Saunders. Good day to you, sir. How are you, man? You're right. Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Look, you've not just got those two books out. You've got... Um, an excellent book called Cambridge Analytica, The Data Deception and the Web of Popularism, which um, I'm going to ask you to tell us a bit about shortly. And, sure. uh, and one that um, my wife's in the process of reading called Now's uh, the Only Thing That's Real, uh, the true story of well, your insights into uh, Charles Manson and all that. So you've got a wide, there's a wide area there, but they've all got an interlinking thing. Yeah, it's a linking theme, and I put it under that umbrella of mind control. So, 
to get started, for the viewers at home who may not have encountered you before because they're clinical hypnotherapists or, or whatever, how did you get into this um, publishing these books and appearing on? I mean, you've got to, you've got a series that just come out called the program yeah. on iconic.com, a TV mm. series that's on a, a web platform. How did you get to the point that you're doing this? How did you get involved well, in it all? Do you know what? Right, it was a bit weird how I sort of found it. I mean, I was always in, sort of interested in in what could be termed sort of conspiracies, like on a sort of hobby basis. I was like interested in JFK and like you know Loch Ness there's different levels isn't there like I I think of things like Bigfoot and Loch Ness Monster and um, Champ and all that sort of you know cryptozoology and stuff like that and ghosts I think that's kind of fun like do you know I mean it's it's, it's interesting it's a bit wacky Um, then there's sort of other things like JFK which are getting a bit more sort of serious and stuff like that and then then there's all the other things which is sort of like declassified military experiments and stuff like that how I actually got into it it's a bit weird Jonathan I was trying to bribe a friend of mine to start a punk band and uh, (laughs) so I I did some songs like some sort of like scar tracks and I put Aldous Huxley talking over the top of it as like a sample Okay. And I sent it up to Richard D. Hall because he was doing a music thing. And the whole point of it was just so I could convince my mate to go, see, see, he likes it. Come and sing in a band with me. <laughs> but, but basically, Richard got in touch with me and says, what is this stuff? Like, this seems quite interesting. And, uh, and just asked me to sort of like put together like half an hour's worth of, uh, of stuff. And it just sort of went from there, like, to be quite honest. Like, I, I sort of like I'd collected a few bits of Bob's just out of interest and then just started sort of collecting it all together and, and getting like a sort of like a file uh, until I had enough to sort of uh, to, to put in a book really basically so it, it just sort of happened it was very strange and then some well, people what's your background playing. before that because with your well, books it's clear to me that you've got an academic background yeah the way you cross-reference stuff and provide the evidence and stuff well I, I I did a degree in psychology. Um, well, it was technically humanities, but the point is basically I had enough points to go on to do the, the sort of next level of psychology and become a psychologist. And I was going to do that, but it was like a, it was a two year course. Um, and so in the whilst I was waiting for this to start, I decided to learn hypnosis. And I did it by the sort of, um, I shan't mention the name, but one of the sort of very popular people where they do like script work and stuff like that. And it was quite interesting. I just thought it would just be like another sort of um, string to my bow. But then I knew a guy who um, did um, curative hypnotherapy. And I just had a chat with him because I was like, look, this script work, it doesn't seem... It like dependent on on the, the quality of the script, obviously. Like it didn't seem to be sort of like dealing with the sort of underlying cause or anything like that. So I was rather drawn to um uh, to, to the different type to to curative hypnotherapy, which I'm sure you know is basically like it's a kind of aggressive thing where you you basically find the underlying uh, cause and the reason why they think of themselves like this. Yeah, through. also called uh, a lot of viewers may also know under them sort of hypnoanalysis. Um, yeah, or, or psychoanalysis with. Well, they're hypnotised to find the root cause of the problem. That, that's the one, or Lesser, and I think it was Helen Lesser that actually started it, basically. So, um, but I didn't train under her. I trained under like with Stephen Weil, and um, yeah, he was he, very, very good, and um, it, it just really interested me. Like, obviously, the thing I, I'm sure you were the same with hypnosis. Is like, it all seems a little bit abstract and weird, and it is. It, it is totally weird until you see it actually work, and then you go. I have no clue why that worked really, but it did. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, you can see some fantastic sort of responses. Uh, one of the, the first 
people that I um, to sort of uh, uh, to dealt with. Um, there was just like crippling shyness, and um, obviously when we got to that point, you could physically see the ab reaction happening in her in her body and stuff like that. And then she just just when she opened her eyes, she's a completely different person, just huge beaming smile and just like radiating confidence. And you could just see that something had happened. And it, it just when when you when you actually sort of physically see that, you go, okay, there's something to this. You can. Yeah. It, it's, it is a strange thing. It's like, as you say, it sounds like you're making it up, but I'm sure you're the same. Like you, you've seen physical symptoms like eczema and psoriasis and oh, yeah, kind of literally you can sometimes yeah. almost visually see it. Yeah. And it's bizarre, isn't it? It's is yeah. so strange when, when you actually sort of get that that thing. But I mean, this is one of the things that I was taught when I was well, I was told when I was taught it is it's like it's kind of like electricity. We understand sort of like the function of electricity, and if you do this, it'll do that. But nobody quite understands the where it comes. Do you know what I mean? There's there's a lot of mysteries to the concepts of electricity that we just go don't know, but it works. So let's let's just use it. And um, it's it's not dissimilar with hypnosis. Like it is, as you say, it's a far more um, powerful tool than a lot of people sort of give credit for. Um, but at the same time, it's interesting what you're saying about the, the thing. I'd really like to get hold of those books um, where you, you know, they're talking about the mesmerism and stuff like that. Because um, th- you've this got access is... to them, buddy. I'll just have to send you your username and password again. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, they're all inside. They're all inside the Elite Hypnosis Bootcamp. Oh, fantastic! You know, mate, I'm crap online. Like I, I was, so I, I always miss everything. But, but. This, this is the, it's, it's one of those fine line things, isn't it? Because when you start saying to people that now you can do all sorts of crazy shit, like with uh, with hypnosis, like the, people might get a bit sort of nervous of going to see a practitioner or something like that. It does. I'm sure you'd agree with me that basically you can't do it by accident. You have to have a sort of intent there and you have to probably course, yeah. disregard a lot of morals and ethics. In order I to think, law that. If people were trained right, they would know that you can pretty much do all the things that they say you can't do. Yes. Or normal skills. And I, I, I'm, I, it's never but people off coming to see me. No. The, the fact that I'm so vocal. In fact, I get people that come to me and I charge over the odds. And it's, when I ask them why they've chosen me, it's because you've been honest. Because I've told them that it's possible to create mind control assassins for example and surely yeah. it's possible to do that and i know how to do that stopping them smoking or being scared of spiders should be a walk in the park yeah yeah totally totally i mean it's my understanding of it is it's about how you frame it because basically the whole point of hypnosis to be successful is to get that level of rapport obviously you've got that level of rapport uh trust for want of a better word people will do anything for you and so oh, it's one yeah. Uh, yeah exactly it can be the other end of the scale as yeah. well if they're scared enough of you yeah yeah precisely precisely but it's about sort of like using some sort of mechanism so that they have that authority where they basically don't question you they either they're either so terrified of you that they basically do whatever you say or they trust you so much that they know that you're going to do the right thing so they do whatever you say and in that case you're dead right you can you could convince people to do anything like because because they don't necessarily think that it's well, it's, it's basically boils down to this. If you, as my therapist, has told me to shoot that person, I trust you. There must be something more to it. I'm obviously not going to shoot that person. It's something that Jonathan's. There'll, there'll be a trick somewhere that basically mm. I'm not aware of, and by the time you shot the person, it's too late, basically. 
that's one way out that Dell, the way Dell describes it in uh, Hypnotist Bible is yeah. you, you just take whatever might be against that person's moral code and values and find yeah. a way of making it so it's acceptable to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Them. you're at war. You're, you know, that person. Eight years old playing cowboys and Indians, the person dressed. Exactly. Yeah, you're shooting at a target. That was basically what happened with um, um, Sirhan Sirhan. He thought that he was shooting at, um, uh, at a, uh, a rifle range at a fair, didn't he? Yeah. Or he's, at least he said that, didn't he? So, which is... Yeah, but I think I think the fact he said it, um, I, I, I strongly suspect that that is probably what he did think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you 100%. I mean, I don't think that he was the person that actually shot um, Robert Kennedy. Uh, I think it was, um, what's his name? Eugene Cesar, who was the, um, he was the security guard. And when Robert Kennedy died, he was holding on to Eugene Cesar's um, uh, tie, mm. uh, which was a clip-on tie. And he just so happened to be shot just behind the ear there with a calibre of gun that was exactly the same as Eugene Cesar's gun. And Eugene Cesar had accidentally discharged his gun during the, uh, um, the, the melee. So he's basically, obviously, this guy killed him. Like, um, but... Uh, and I think, again, I'm pretty sure he had, I don't know exactly what it was, but this guy had some sort of connection to intelligence agencies or whatever. So it was a bit like, you know, there's, 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 there's an angle there, basically. So, I mean, right, hypnosis, just to clarify, for people at home, you'll be thinking of it as hypnotherapy because you do hypnotherapy. Or you'll, you'll be yeah. thinking of it as stage hypnosis because you do stage hypnosis. Or you'll be thinking of it under a different name, Um tapping emdr or whatever as being suggestion yeah and yes suggestion is a large part of it but as i teach in the boot camp and if anyone who's watching is in the boot camp or no if not look into that i believe that hypnosis my description of what hypnosis is and then we can take it from there and see yeah. Do we agree? Do we disagree? Because it's fine to disagree, obviously. Mm. But I believe that with stage hypnosis, at its essence, you are providing an environment where the perception is that the stage hypnotist makes people do things against their will. Yeah. But people volunteer knowing this, which itself is an oxymoron. So yeah. in other words, when they volunteer, they considering the possibility they could be made to do things they wouldn't normally do yeah therefore in other words they want the excuse it's like the karaoke syndrome so, so they go yeah, through totally. a realistic important process and then they do the daft things and afterwards they either come off stage and during it they're getting applause and laughter that the hypnotist has said that's showing how wonderful your powers of mind are and it's praising their ego making them feel good mm-hmm. at the end they can go back and either say i don't remember what yeah place and then people will give them even more attention telling them oh you did this you did that yeah and they'll go did i really when they fall well they bloody yeah. remember really they're just pretending or they go back and go oh i can remember did i really do that i can remember it i just couldn't stop myself so again all self-blame shame yeah. guilt regret is removed from them from what they did and gives them the ability to get even more praise and adulation and attention from mm-hmm. other people. Something yeah. that human beings quite often are starved of. Yeah. Then therapy. Therapy. Let's call him Dave. Dave's an alcoholic uh, to a degree. He drinks every day. Dave wakes up one morning and he thinks, you know what? 
I'm not going to drink anymore. And he never touches another drop. And after a few days of feeling a bit shit in the house, he has a shave, cleans himself up, he goes out and he bumps into people he's not seen for weeks, if not months on the street. And they go, well, Dave, you're looking good. And Dave says, well, I've stopped drinking. Bloody hell, Dave. When did you do that? Oh, about a week ago. How did you do that, Dave? I just woke up one morning, decided I was going to stop. And that's it. As easy as that. Mm. And then he'll bump into his family and friends. Same thing will go on. And they'll go, hang on, Dave. If it was that easy, why did the bloody do it sooner? Yeah. And then he'll feel bad because he's getting criticised. And that will cause relapse. Yeah. Because yeah. then he can prove it wasn't that easy. Whereas if he goes to a therapist like yourself, myself, or one of the viewers, goes through an important seeming ritualistic process with this perceived authority figure who's an expert in doing these things, pays a sum of money, attaches value to it, can then leave the office, do what he could have always done himself anyway, because there's nothing a hypnotherapist really does, uh, unless they're using techniques like those we've alluded to. Yeah. That wouldn't normally be possible off the person's own back and he's got kind of a safety shield because when people say why didn't you do it sooner dave he can go well i tried but it didn't work for it i needed the help of this therapist so he's got the perfect excuse to offload all that self-blame shame guilt and regret for not yeah. having got off his ass and done it sooner yeah yeah, yeah totally like no i agree with that 100 percent. i mean i think that there are sometimes things where like instances of sort of reinforce things to, uh, now i agree with you right because the power is always there with people it's, it's themselves that alter it okay sometimes i would say that there are things where people have got into a habitual thing and they don't quite understand why they're doing it and you have to sort of do a bit of poking around to try and sort of like free that up so to speak um but again that's just because that's the way i've been taught though so like you know the, I, I, I don't disagree with you uh, at all. Um, I just think that some people need that extra sort of layer of, um, it's all about framing, isn't it? This is the point. It's all yeah. about framing the, the way. And so, I, think so, so I think the real key is that at one end of that example I gave, the mm -hmm. person stuck in a position of uh, pain, for example, yeah. where the idea of changing for themselves is too painful. It's more pleasurable to carry on and, have the problem yeah and a situation's going to arise where it becomes more painful to carry on that way and more pleasurable not to do it so it's pain and pleasure yeah, yeah. two angles which links in happily with mind control stuff well actually it? thinking about it right i've had a couple of um clients who basically i've gone through this sort of like you know the regression bit and stuff we've come to a cause and we've, we've sort of reinterpreted the original thing we've done that a couple of times and we've actually seen this sort of physical ab reaction and i've gone oh brilliant fine we've got this now whatever two weeks later they've come back and sort of almost at the end of my tether i've gone okay fine let's just do a bit of script work and just see what happens with that and boom that worked like, which is really strange because that goes against the sort of what should logically have been the thing. So you're dead right. I think it's I think it's horses for courses and people just need to have it positioned in such a way that it alleviates the responsibility for them. So so 
yeah, if it works, it was great. If it doesn't work, it's not their fault, but it's more likely to work because essentially, as you say, they've put that investment into it and gone, look, I've spent this money. I've gone to this time. I've opened myself up. I've done the embarrassing things. So now I uh, am worthy of reaping the reward, so to speak. Now, that's relevant to the majority of viewers of Hypnosis Week, mainly stage hypnotist, hypnotherapist, mind therapist. Yeah. However... There's a reason why I've got you on this show, because I consider you to be the guy who is the expert in this area. That's great. That's using techniques with positive intent. Yeah. People or to entertain. Mm -hmm. But we can leverage that pain, pleasure scale, at a far more extreme level to get people to do those things that they would normally want to do. Um, now, for viewers who probably won't be quite as aware as me, could you explain from your wonderful research and expertise, reasonably briefly, well, a bit of detail, but, you know, so that people actually go and buy the books, buy the books, um, about MK Ultra and the Tavistock Hospital yeah. Institute and stuff? Well, basically, Tavistock is the psychological institute, or it's the psychological establishment, and it started off as the, um, what did it start? It started off as the Tavistock Clinic, and then sort of went through the Tavistock Institute, and now it basically is so pervasive that it's it's sort of like the umbrella British psychological establishment, so it's got fingers in all sorts of pies, and like, it's, it's one of these things where, the, I was talking to somebody about this the other day, and, and like, it's it's so broad Tavistock that I'm sure some people know people that work for them and did like it's not like it's not like the umbrella corporation in like Resident Evil or anything. It's not like every single person who works for this is evil or whatever. It's just this is how things work. You know, if you want to start meddling with people's minds, you need to go to the very cream of the crop. And so the establishments basically get used for it. The, the long and short of it is that basically the Tavistock um, Clinic was uh, originally in, um, it was um, Sir John Balby and uh, John Rawlings Reese, and what they were interested in is, is basically de- dealing with shell shock um, or for or post traumatic stress disorder, as it would now be um, uh, called. And what they, they basically noticed was that the trauma coming from the, the trenches of the First World War, there'd be a huge amount of people who would basically come back and they would display like um, catatonic symptoms or complete withdrawal symptoms. Or um, there was one very famous person who's basically, he'd, he'd become so sort of traumatized that he hadn't urinated for about two weeks. And there was a gentleman called William Sargent that basically gave him a huge dose of, um, I think he was... Um, I think it's sodium pentothal at the time, which is obviously one of these potential truth drugs. Um, and the guy just started, um, you know, just merrily just urinated where he was sitting. Um, but th- this is what what happened was essentially they started to notice that there's elements of trauma could be used in order to entrain people or in order to uh become more successful and 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 it's interesting that you, you made that distinction between the fear and the sort of like um the authority as well because that that is really what what they did not only did they sort of start to look at the application of things like how trauma could be used in um interrogation scenarios or or, or stuff like that and then looking at how these drugs that would bring people out of post-traumatic stress disorder could sort of make them more malleable for these types of things and make them sort of more chatty and talkative um 
but also what they, they sort of expanded into was, well, how can we use the flip side of that? How can we use the sort of an authoritarian persona or the concept of sort of like a parental figure or something in like blue chip corporations or in uh, the running of governments, essentially? So what they, they would do is they, they ran the whole gamut of not only sort of treatment, uh, which was then sort of utilised into sort of espionage type materials, but they would also take this sort of concept of, of the understanding of like, you know, psychological hierarchies, the the, the idea of a, uh, an authoritarian figure, the idea of how trauma can affect people and how basically in the concept of trauma, they'll, they'll look to an authority figure to, to try and help them. Uh, and basically they were applying this. There's a guy called Kurt Lewin, who was basically the... Um, the the chairman or the I forget his exact title but he is in charge of Tavistock for for a long long time in the 30s and he noticed this basically he just felt that for the benefit of society that what would be better is that basically if we just always give society low levels of trauma um, be that sort of just sort of general aspirational things like you know your mortgage your job like not doing as well as people, uh, not being as attractive as the next person, all of these things where you've got sort of comparative levels. What that does is it basically breaks people. It, it reduces them. It, well, essentially what it does is it reduces their critical analysis, like so that they can't make decisions. And if you can't make decisions, you're more likely to either just basically do what is the established way of doing things, the normal way of doing things, or you go to an authority figure and say, will you please tell me how to do this? Um, and it would appear that, although this sounds rather conspiratorial, that this was actually a, a genuine thing. In 1963, I believe it was, there was a gentleman called Eric Trist, and he was at the time, again, the the um, the head of uh, the Tavistock Institute. And to uh, for some bizarre reason, he, he did a press conference in which he, just, he proclaimed that the whole point of what Tavistock was trying to do was create what he called social turbulence. And social turbulence is what we've just been saying, which is basically is causing uncertainty in the general population to the point where basically, you know this because this is kind of how hypnosis works, stick on some music, talk to them, blah, blah. Your brain's got a finite bandwidth. And if you can feel that, this is how mantras work or like, you know, um, Buddhist incantations and all these types of stuff. It's filling that bandwidth of the brain so that so that basically you don't have any extra thoughts. Sensory overload. Exactly. Exactly right. And, and the point is that when you've got this sensory overload, you can't be making decisions like you can't go into sort of. Um, uh, complicated ruminations on this versus this and this argument versus this argument. You just need answers really, really quickly. And Eric Trish was basically saying that, well, this is the entire point of why the, the Tavistock Institute um, exists. And since the 20s and 30s, they've been sending out people called shock troops. Shock troops were basically people that sent either by John Rawlings Reese or Kurt Lewin. And they were starting up. Um, institutes all over the world like uh, Massachusetts Institute of Technology or MIT or Wharton School of Economics or Esalen or the Stanford Research Center all of these very very sort of prevalent I mean, they're all in America but like all over the world essentially um, and at the same time they're doing the entraining of um, uh, blue chip corporation leaders teaching them to basically project authority and to have an element of fear and to strike fear into your workforce because then basically they work harder and then that exact same principle 
is applied to politicians um, and um, and uh, also to the teaching institutions and then obviously the economic systems through places like Wharton and the scientific establishment through places like uh, Stanford. And, and this is what this is how one sort of quite uh, simple, really, at the base of it, obviously not in the application, but in the basis understanding of it, the trauma causes people to be more malleable. That which was found out by really by accident when they were treating people has just been able to be flipped on its head and applied not only on a sort of local level or a medical level or a psychological level, but on a worldwide societal level to the point where basically the majority of of, of civilized nations, for want of a better expression, run to the same sort of principles. You've got the sort of order, the establishment, the old tie network, this concept that's brought you brought up that certain people are just your betters, this sort of social hierarchy, the way that you have to sort of get through this uh, ziggurat or whatever through society. All of this, that's all that's all been there already. Like this is the point. You you, you wait this, it's kind of like that expression, which I'm going to get totally wrong, but like basically a fish doesn't know that he's in water because he's been there all its life. Like, because you're completely surrounded by these symptoms, this is always the way, the system, sorry, this is always the way that this has been, this is the way that, that it should be, it seems right, you basically, you become used to that. Another example would be, um, uh, was it Plato, where basically the, the people have spent their entire lives trapped in a cave, staring at the pictures on a wall. And then all of a sudden somebody pushes out the rock at the front and behind them the sun pours in and they can see the entire real world out, out of them and they don't want to move they, they'd sooner stick and like with their, their little pictures because it's what they're secure with it's what they understand it's not scary it's this this is the strange thing and, and this is this is how nefarious people work and i'm sure this is this is basically how it works again it's about building rapport it's that concept that no, this is the way it is. Don't question it. This is society. This is the structure. This is the authoritarian figure. This is the teacher telling you the facts because it's correct. This is the boss telling you what to do because it's for the good of the company, not for the good of him. This is like, you know, the, the government advisor telling you to do X, Y and Z. And actually, because it's not for you, it's for the economy. But basically, we're all or the majority of people are basically under these these impressions that these systems that are there. You don't question them. That's the point, because they are ubiquitous. You basically don't question them. And it's when you start to go hang on or when something doesn't work that you start to pull on it and go, oh, no, this is either not thought out at all or it is thought out, but it's thought out. And the the intention is the opposite of, of, of what rather than basically providing you with comfort and security um, and uh like you know a, a secure environment what it's actually doing is just basically stopping you from flourishing but because you're in that sort of mindset you you, you get the impression that this is just you know the, the the parameters of real life so to speak now that's something that you what you just talked about for viewers at home we we elaborate on that and by we i mean neil myself um also uh there's contributions from uh Gareth I, David yeah. Eichson, 
um, and uh, Dr. Robin Kelly, um, a medical GP who's also studied 5G in the documentary Extreme Danger, Extreme Hypnosis. When this video goes out below it, the first link you'll see will be Neil's website for the books. Below that will be a link where you can get the uh, documentary. And we do go into these kind of things in depth, giving more examples of how the education system mm. is indoctrination. It's about training yeah. you to believe certain things and repeat them on demand. So really what you're learning is to obey authority figures. Yeah. Um, how politics is the illusion of choice. It doesn't matter who you vote for. At the end of the day, they're going to do what people behind them pull the strings and tell them to do. But it gives you the illusion that you've had some choice in the matter. Yeah. So you, but also, so you can have an argument with other people that you disagree with them because whilst there's stuff out there for you to agree and disagree about, it's yeah. dividing and conquering the nation and putting you in a state of when you're arguing. You're on teams. Yeah, you're in that. It's like the fight, flight and freeze um, thing that comes up. When you're arguing, you also are occupied on that. So it's yeah. almost like hypnosis fixated on your belief in that. Yes, yeah, yeah. Distracted from everything else that's going on and you become easier to manipulate as Absolutely. well. Yeah. That's something that I've noticed really recently, like as, as well, like uh, and social media exacerbates that, like okay, realistically, okay, suddenly everybody's totally political. Everyone's either pro-Trump or anti-Trump or blah 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 blah. And I don't wish to be mean or anything or, or come across as a know-it-all, like although I'm sure I am doing. But you're not interested in politics, right? You're not. You don't even know who the Secretary of State is. You don't know anything about politics at all, right? For the, majority, for the, for the odd one of you watching this who perhaps have got degrees in politics yeah. and are interested, obviously the, you're in the minority. <laughs> yeah, the general population isn't actually that interested in politics. What has been done recently through the use of social media and through the use of basically like uh very very clever marketing schemes cambridge analytica for one which we'll probably come on to in, in a bit people are invested in it like suddenly it's not like now this is boiled down to several things like all of a sudden everybody thinks their opinion matters right and they've got to say something they've got to get on social media because this platform exists and they've got to say something and what's bizarre is that people still don't all of us still don't cope well with criticism of it like mostly because no because there's no decorum on social media where so it's very rare for someone to say i respect your opinion but i actually think you're wrong on this what they'll actually say is oh my god you're so stupid why do you think that now all of that combined the audience that you've got the pride that you get and the dopamine response you get from putting something out and going aren't i clever the the crushing amygdala response that you get when somebody says no you're not clever you're a moron because you don't understand what you've read um all of that combined with uh the community that you get from being on a side has led to politics now is a fight in the same way that it would be a fight over whether forests are better than Derby County, of course they are, like, um, then, um, then actually looking at the issues and seeing what would be the better outcome. Do you know what I mean? Like nobody's debating Donald Trump and going, oh, I don't actually think that policy is fiscally sound. I think when you look at it, it's going to be really, really bad for this and because of X, Y, Z, although I agree with the principle or whatever. Nobody's saying that. Everyone's going, yeah, 
Trump or no, not Trump. And it's really as straightforward and simple as that, which is ridiculous. Uh, and people animal be behaviour instincts. Yeah. And, and but this is the thing. People have been convinced that, that these people who a are not anything to do with you. For some reason, everyone's focusing. Well, Trump is a good example. Farage is a good example where people have been convinced that these people are like they're men of the people. They're just like me and you. It's the sort of person I go and have a pint with and blah, blah, blah. And it's not. It's a very carefully Boris Johnson as well. It's a very, very carefully crafted public image. And the actual person is incredibly aristocratic, incredibly uh disrespectful of the the general population and the sort of person that wouldn't give you the time of day um, once an up-to-date example bearing in mind if you've seen this in months or years to come this was recorded on the 23rd of march 2020 during the coronavirus nonsense now if you look at videos from that time uh, boris johnson the british prime minister say find some videos on YouTube from the news from 2019 and see the buffoon with the big ridiculous hair and going and all this. Mm. And then look at videos from March 2020 regarding the coronavirus and his daily press conferences. And suddenly his hair's totally Me. different. He hasn't got it all poked up in the air like he normally does. And his actions are different. It's because... All of it is an act. Yeah, oh, totally, totally. I mean, like, Donald Trump is an act as well, but he's actually admitted this as well. He did, like, I mean, it's a combination of him being very, very arrogant and actually playing a part. He's playing this persona of an evil sort of businessman that he was playing on The Apprentice. And to be fair, it's actually quite successful because, you know, people don't really know how to react to it. Well, the, there is no reaction because basically the whole point is he never apologises, he just moves on, never explains himself. But, but you're dead right. That's, Boris Johnson has cultivated this image for years. Like, going on Have I Got News For You, like, basically, like, years ago, which is a quiz show in, in the UK, where he came across as, oh, he's lovable, he's a lovable buffoon, look at the crazy way that he talks and, uh, and stuff like that. And, and again, and you're right, it is, it's a very, very carefully constructed image. But the same thing you say with Donald Trump, people think, and Nigel Farage, people think that, they're, like, he's, he's their mate. Like he's the sort of person that's going to do stuff. And what's been apparent from both of their responses, Trump and um, uh, Johnson, it, it shows two things. One, their incompetence as a leader, completely incompetent. They're not fit for this type of job. They're not fit for this type of pressure and they don't actually know how to respond. And, uh, and the second thing is that basically they're taking orders from somebody, Dominic Cummings, um, in, now, in the case of... His name. I've got a note here because, I mean, Dominic Cummings effectively is the puppet master of Donald Trump and Boris Johnson, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, pretty, pretty much, basically. It's, it's all that sort of... It's the same people. It's the New Frontiers think tank and it's just it's Gove and, like, connected to Heritage Foundation and Coke Industries. And Gove uh, is linked to Rupert Murdoch. Yeah, absolutely. And therefore absolutely. the media brainwashing. Well, basically, Dominic Cummings came from the New Frontiers Foundation, which is a think tank, and that's basically um, connected with um, uh, James Frain. Uh, he was the, the director at it. James Frain is, is uh, Americans for Prosperity and Taxpayers Alliance, which is Coke Industries. Uh, so basically, th this... 
this is that was going on in sort of like the early 2000s like the, the, this is what gets me about the, the thing there's a series of think tanks and people who are, are directing policy and directing politicians and it's people like Daniel Hanan and David Davis and Liam Fox and uh, Boris Johnson and and uh, Michael Gove and all the basically the, the people that we're seeing now and at the same time in understand America this fully get Neil's yeah. book Cambridge Analytica, the data deception and the web of popularism from Neil Saunders, mindcontrol.com. Easy to understand then. It basically, the gist of it is that you've got these free market think tanks that have been since 1980, since since 1980 and since the Reaganomics, it's exactly the same people that have been basically pushing Euroscepticism and free market econ uh, economics, which basically boils down to no oversight of corporations and complete um, uh, privatisation of, of British industry. And they managed to do a lot of that in the sort of 80s and 90s, which is British Steel, Rolls-Royce, BAE, British Airways, all of this. There's, there's a whole list of, of, of things that were privatised under Thatcher. And this was basically done as a favour to the, the Reagan as a favour to the Heritage Foundation and basically all these think tanks like New Frontiers and the Institute for Economic Affairs and the Institute for Free Trade, they're all connected and they're all basically doing the same thing and this is borne out by the response um, of Trump and Nigel, and, um, Nigel Fraser and um, Boris Johnson to the, the coronavirus. Essentially they have both resisted doing the things that would, would have been advised. Uh, now whether you think this is necessary is a completely different argument. Basically, what has what has been advised is really a lockdown. This is basically trying to like yes. reduce social interaction and uh, prevent uh, the, the spread of, of the disease. And rather than do that, both of them have basically decided to try and save the markets. I'll just uh, clarify again. It's the 23rd of March 2020 when we're recording this. So if you watch it in a week's time and they have gone on lockdown, we're not getting things wrong it's because yeah. it was recorded on the 23rd of march but they I mean, should have done it by now lockdown really shouldn't yeah, there's a quote that's come out that's been denied but the way it's been denied leads me to believe that yes he absolutely 100 percent said this and this I've is got it here. yeah herd yeah. immunity protect the economy and if that means some pensioners die too bad dominic yeah. cummings is meant to have said that at a private meeting and it leaked out yesterday and surprisingly not just from the whistleblowers but surprisingly the mainstream media actually picked up on it and uh, not just the sunday times but other mainstream media picked up on it and published that as well well i mean he's like if he didn't say that the argument would be well, why have we been doing that then because yeah. that's exactly what you've been doing. So it's a bit of a coincidence that you didn't say that, but we actually we did that anyway. Like Dominic Cummings is just a monster. He's just an absolute um, pound shot Machiavelli. Um, and this is the point: is it, there's these these systems behind. I mean, it is it is a form of, of hypnosis in in essence, because basically. You've got very very wealthy people that are basically selling you a lie, and it's, it's very, very, I mean, it's all connected to essentially the, the, the election of Trump and uh, Brexit. And I hate to say this and oversimplify, but essentially it boils down to they've told you they're going to get rid of brown people. <laughs> and uh, and that, that's really what it is. And they're, they're playing on they're playing on lots of different things, fear, uh, uncertainty, but also a degree of uh, Brexit was all about borders and yeah. Right. It's, and stuff. It's, and, it's jingoistic in as much as basically 
how it works is it makes the people feel frightened and superior at the same time. Like they're frightened of the of the fact that they're they're losing potentially losing their culture or whatever because that's the message that's been put across. But at the same time, it's kind of it's kind of sort of encouraging because basically what it's implying on a very subtle level is that you're superior to these people just by the virtue of being born white um, and so it's a very very seductive thing to do particularly particularly when you live in uncertain times or perhaps don't have the security that you need. Again, this this is this is not a new technique. Uh, this has been done time and time and time again. Like basically appeal to poke poke the sort of fears, appeal to the idea that basically you can you can get out of that and provide a scapegoat. And the whole whole point of, of providing a scapegoat again in, in all of these scenarios is that basically it needs to fulfil two things. You need to know just enough about it um, to to be frightened of it, not enough about it to argue against these these facts that are put about. And these people need to be simultaneously powerful enough to destroy your entire way of life and yet not powerful enough to have a platform where they can say, we're not going to do that. And so, but again, it's all these contradictory messages that all really boil down to um, this concept of, the authority figure and either believing the the um, the guidance that they're giving to you or buying the, the, the fear that they're, they're ramming down your throat. And it's again, same mechanism over and over and over again. So it is, it is as you say, essentially a sort of mass hypnosis or um, a mass... Uh, disorientation and confusion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is I one of the key so. when you get in that disorientated, confused state or the freeze part of fight, flight, freeze. Yeah. Arguably, you go into the theta state. Yeah. Trans, hypnosis. I see what's really a problem, okay. Um, a real problem at the minute is the news. Um, because... Um, people are looking to the news for some sort of answers. Look, this, this is, this is, which is ironic yeah. because the news will only print what they're told to by the people who tell them. Well, what well aside from that, it's not just that, mate. It's, it's the, also the fact that basically they're a business. They're there to make money and they're there to keep you mm. watching. And I was, I sat, sat watching the news yesterday, and it's like. This is nonsense. This isn't helping at all. It's just ramping up fear, ramping up fear, ramping up sensationalism, making everyone terrified, blah, 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 blah. And then it struck me. It's like, well, of course they're doing that. They want you to stay there and keep watching so that you find out the next bit of useful information. Now, the problem at the minute is that this is exacerbated by the fact that because of this virus or the sport's been cancelled or the films have been cancelled, there's no celebrities going out and doing ridiculous things and stuff mm -hmm. like that. The focus, there's one story in the entire medium of news at the minute. So there's nothing to take away from that. So not only have we got this constant churning of pressure, we've got no break from that. And this is this is causing either complete paralysis through the fear of it, basically going, oh, my God, we're all doomed. Or it's causing compassion fatigue on the opposite end where people have gone, 
yeah, you keep telling me this, but I ain't seen it out the window. So it's almost like a sort of mental car sickness. Do you know what I mean? Because like, you... like yesterday, people have been asked to stay at home and lo and behold, people going off to the seaside. Could the weather That's madness. I can't, <laughs> I don't understand the logic behind that, to be quite honest. Like the same thing, uh, I mean, Friday night was mental as well when they knew that the pubs were shutting. Again, I, I feel for people to a degree because, for example, all these pubs, I was chatting to a mate of mine, who, uh, who works as a, a sound engineer and he was explaining to me that the, the sort of the problems that are going to come off the back of this because of the way that they dealt with it and the longer we muck about the longer the fallout is going to be and you're saying that basically when Glastonbury was was cancelled he says like that's it we're done you are not going to see a theatre production a gig a comedy show you're not going to see any of these things anything that has an audience right for the next year because it's not, there's all sorts of like things that are, are problematic that most people don't really get. Like, for example, where you're storing all your, your sound equipment, all your speakers and your desks and things like that, you're having to pay for that. Most of this is on higher purchase, apparently, because it's such expensive equipment that nobody can afford to actually own one. And as soon as you do own one, it becomes obsolete. So you, what you tend to do is have a sort of higher purchase thing with the, with the companies. And then when it gets a bit old, you swap it for the new one. And so you're constantly on the never, never, which is perfectly sensible until the point where you can't work for six months and you're having to still pay for that and you're having to pay to store it somewhere, but you can't actually use it. And it's going to be the same for all these people that basically have burger vans or merch bars or the people that provide um security or the people that provide um um like any of these things like even even the people that sell the tickets like eventbrite and, and Ticketmaster and stuff like that because of the way that they they get the money and produce tickets and stuff like that they all of a sudden are gonna have to pay this money back and not get it back none of the festivals get paid until after the actual thing so this is until after the actual festival is finished to to avoid fraud so this is why a lot of them might be like trying to postpone it in the sort of vain hope rather than cancel it. Because the, the problem is the second they start giving money back that, pe that people are paid in tickets, you're still going to have to pay your, some of the bands, some of the, the, the people and stuff like that. And nobody's insured against it. Because COVID-19 is a new disease, there is probably about a very very small percentage of people that have actually got insurance against this so they're all just done venues are done pubs are done like uh, sound engineers are done like anybody that's got anything to do with that a lot of bands are done they're going to split up because it's not going to be financially viable you can't get into rehearsals like my mate who runs a rehearsal studio like he's like well, what the hell are we going to do now you still have to pay council tax and rates on the building and stuff like that but um, but there's there's just nothing there, and the problem again is, be is because we've got no coherent message. We've got in, Dominic Cummings. In 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 fairness to I'm not saying in fairness to Boris because he's just the front piece, but yeah, in yeah. fairness to the British government, they have announced uh, a, an amazingly um, decent financial support package for businesses. Uh, and also employees who are on PAYE getting at least 80% of the wage and stuff. The only people who seem to be left out at the big, at the moment are the so, freelancers, like musicians, entertainers, therapists, self-employed people. Yeah. Who haven't been, you know, 
No, I mean, hopefully, as I say, it'll, it'll all work out. The problem is that basically, like, whilst they're waiting for these measures to come in, it's already happening. Like, I, I know a couple of people who felt that they need to take these loans that the government have given. And they know that they're just basically, just, all they're doing is, is delaying the inevitable. But at the minute, they, they don't feel that they've got um, they've got a, a response. And I said, the problem is as well that basically, like, let's say that this is done within three months or, so, or something. Does that, they're not immediately going to go, oh, brilliant, okay, it's all cool. Now have a 50,000 people festival. Like, all of these pubs and stuff and venues and bars and stuff like that, they're all going to go, go under. So in three months' time, they won't be able to reopen, is, is the point. It's going gonna, it's gonna to mess a lot of people up, basically. So hopefully the government will step in and, and just say, here's an interesting thing. Like, all these people were terrified of encroaching socialism. They're quite happy to take these government handouts, are they? Yeah. It's almost as if they didn't really understand what socialism was. And some very rich industrialists had told them to be frightened of it. Yeah, how strange. Uh, yeah. The media may have painted people like Jeremy Corbyn as some kind of terrorist villain. Well, but this is it. Well, basically, a lot of people don't bother to do the digging in check the truth of things, do they? Well, this is it. And again, you know, did like, but again, it boils down to rather than checking the facts, they go to an authority figure who who tells them what, exactly what to think. And, um, yeah, it, it never really works out terribly well like that. Just because we're on the coronavirus, before we get back to mind control, but it mm. does interlink because, obviously, oh, exactly. elements of mind control are used by the media to make people more scared. Yeah. Um, the but I just made a couple of notes on the coronavirus. Um, so let me just read these six bullet points out and then tell me what you make of it. Oh, yeah. um, I saw a video dated the 21st of March 2020, so it was bought up two days ago, on the YouTube channel Law of Liberty. Right. Uh, the video name is Bill Gates Microchip Vaccine Implants to Fight Coronavirus. Yeah. But then, because I never believe anything straight off, I went and searched, and lo and behold, I came up with articles galore in the so-called mainstream media that the mass yeah. Believe saying that um, he wants people to have microchips to track whether they've been given the That's vaccine it. or not, and all this. Yeah. Then, so I came across doing that ID 2020, a project to get everybody chipped um, for various reasons. Yeah, search ID 2020, and Bill Gates is linked to that. Mm -hmm. And then, lo and behold, there was a mention of Event 201 that took place in October 2019, a trial yeah. exercise for if there was a disease pandemic, mm -hmm. a bit like coronavirus. And guess who's linked to that? Well, the Gates. Gates Foundation. Yeah. And then you I mean, look at things like Agenda 21 and Agenda 2030, the plan to depopulate the planet by millions of people. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, whose names keep coming up? Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like the thing is, like, I just don't. The, what was quite interesting. So I, I, I only found out about this like yesterday. But as you say, it is in mainstream sort of. Uh, I think it was like Tech Advisor or something. I was reading it in. But even the mainstream. Oh, Forbes magazine. Was it in Forbes? Yeah. Oh, excellent. Right. But even even the ones that I was reading were going, hang on. This isn't right. The, the, like basically, the, the article that I read was, I don't believe in conspiracy theories, but here is a real one. 
Uh, and yeah, there is something. You know what's the thing is about the the. the and the, also mandatory vaccinations. There are already yeah. places brought in laws that when there is a vi vaccine ready for coronavirus, that it will be mandatory for people to have it. No choice in the matter. Well, quite yeah. It seems a bit. It seems over the top, doesn't it? Just like you know. Well, that uh, the opportunity for the RFID chips. Well, this is the point, isn't it? Like I mean, it is the the problem is. Right now, here's a weird thing. Okay, like it, it works two ways. This sort of having a chip in you, because one is it basically can be tracked and stuff like that, and two is just like horrible. But like the concepts, but um, it's collecting data. Now, here's the thing. Like basically, he's already started. Right, like, before, before, before you say, a lot of people at home might, if you don't know what RFID chips are, the the smaller than the grain of rice, and they could be injected into you without you knowing. Do your own research. It's like and, it's a tracking thing. It's got it's a radio free. Like what you get, but in your dog, so that yeah. if your dog gets lost, they can scan your dog and get it back to you. Yeah. Except you can fit a lot more on it than just the details of where the dog lives. The the thing is, it's all about like data because basically, this is the new sort of milieu. It's about trying to capture as much data as you can and uh and for example, right, okay, a friend of mine was saying, a friend of mine actually basically, like, he was he was, he was was doing the sound engineering at this Cambridge Analytica conference, and he says oh, that basically the next, yeah, yeah, he's, he's telling me all about it yesterday, like, um, he tried to download a load of stuff, but it was so encrypted that he just couldn't get it onto his stick, but um, anyways, like, the, the, the gist of it was what he was saying is that what they're going to start doing is they're going to start marketing products that you say you go out and buy like the, the example that he used was uh, all right Dave um the example that he used was um say that I wanted to buy some guitar strings so buy some guitar strings off Amazon or whatever what they'll do is they'll send me some plec they'll look at the type of plectrums that I use as well and they'll just send me a pack of plectrums and they'll say if you want to like if you want these keep them if you don't want them just pop them back into this free envelope and we'll send them back but you've been charged for them already and it's working on the idea that people either go oh yeah no why not or alternatively they're too lazy to just go across the street and stick it back into the mm -hmm. thing now that's a sort of very, very sort of minor example. But the more data people have about you, the more sort of they know where you're going, they know what sort of things that you buy, you know what sort of habits you have, what sort of a person you are. I think the best thing data wise for people viewing until they actually read, get your book, Cambridge Analytic of the Data Deception and the Web of Popularism, uh, to describe it would be how Cambridge Analytica S. Uh, S CL. Yeah. Um, harvested information from social media, especially Facebook. Yeah. And then use that to target people around the yeah. world to arguably brainwash and manipulate and emotionally oh, coerce them into who they wanted you to vote for. Well, exactly. But, they, but this is the point. It's basically what, they, what they're doing is once they've got this picture of you in the data and basically find out in a very, very crude sense, find out what you like and what you don't like. They can basically say, like, let's say that you really like, I'm being really glib here, but like, let's say you're a Forest fan, right, okay, and you really hate Derby County. Well, did you know that Donald Trump is a Forest fan? And you know that Hillary Clinton, she's a Derby County fan. Like, it's, it's it, that's really, really simplistic and glib, but it's essentially that. What they'll do is they'll find things, they'll do the flip side, they'll find things that make you angry. Like, for example, with... Um, 
with Donald Trump, they found very, very quickly that it was that the idea of being threatened by things coming over the wall, by this idea of a, a nefarious deep state, by these concepts. So uh, of, of corrupt politicians, which is ironic because Donald Trump is the most corrupt politician. So what they did was by collecting all these data and stuff like that, not only were they able to sort of like uh, specifically um, like cater adverts uh, to you, but then there was phrases like build the wall, lock her up, drain the swamp. Those were all basically through quizzes and various sort of data mining techniques. They would found to be effective uh, political slogans against Hillary Clinton as early as 2014. So this is soundbites. That's the yeah. case with radio. You get soundbites. Yeah, take back with hypnotherapy effective in my experience is short sharp phrases so when i'm doing smoking cessation i will you know from from this moment forward whenever you see a cigarette on its tip in your unconscious subconscious mind you'll see the number 19 reminding you of the 19 deadly poisons in cigarettes yeah. and instantly this phrase will jump into your mind it's the bullet point phrase of smoke yeah. Death and disease, and smoke, choke, death and disease, and I ramp that pain in numerous times during the session, so yeah. it acts as a, a, a pain signal to avoid. Yeah. Um, but it's short, short phrases stick in; they, they don't get analysed as much by the critical faculty. But now here's the thing, right? Okay, so so this is how the data works, right? Now we're being um, we're being manipulated to the point where basically, like this is becoming normal like i'll give you an example who's got a fitbit on right now like what do you think that data is doing that's being sold to different companies companies that you wouldn't even imagine and basically they're going to highlight you let's again we'll do it really really simple um they'll either show you a larger type of lead legging or a protein shake or something else they'll market something at you based on your uh, your um, stats that are coming off the thing doing all these surveys what type of a potato are you on Facebook <laughs> that's exactly how they got all the information they're able to sort of draw this in and um, like for example what what, what it is at the minute like someone a company like SCL Cambridge Analytica will approach Amazon and they'll go you know if you gave us all your data we could make you sell more of this product because we know how to sell all of this product and let's go all right brilliant we'll, we'll, we'll give you all our data then if you tell us we can make it profitable so we've got all of Amazon's data once we've done that with Amazon we can go eBay and go we were very successful with Amazon you know if you wanted to sell more of this all you need to do is give us your data so, we'll, so we've got their data so we're combining all of this and then basically you've got a larger data set I mean, just to give you an idea, like, and this was in 2016, Alexander Nix, who was the chairman of Cambridge Analytica, which is this company that basically, they stole all your data, they harvested it, and they created uh, personalised advertising campaigns in order to make you vote in a particular way. For right? people watching, law, they registered as a British a military-grade weapon. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, they've got a list X clearance, which basically means that they're able to hold um, documents um, uh, marked secret and above. So top secret and anything of that, they're allowed to have records 
on um, that they basically don't, they can have any any government records right um, they're also under export control by MI5 which means that basically this company which is run by an ex-MI5 which has board members including sort of privy council members ex-pentagon chiefs Marconi defense uh, British psychological intelligence and all of this sort of stuff which is technically a private company it's under export control by the British intelligence which means that basically it has to be signed off by members of the government before it can be used and at that point let me put in it you mentioned British psychological here's the interesting thing this brings us back to the Tavistock Institute because interestingly as you'll see in the uh, documentary extreme danger extreme hypnosis the head office in central London on a back street for the Tavistock Institute is in exactly the same building as the British Psychological Society that is for all the psychiatrists and stuff. There's always been and there still is a crossover between apparent psychiatry and mental health and the use of that for nefarious purposes. Well, I mean, right in the very sort of beginning of the Tavistock, when when Edward Bernays and Walter Littman and stuff like that, they they, they were sort of in in conjunction with the Tavistock Institute through an, uh, through a company called Crew House, and basically it was utilising the sort of the, the the newly sort of Freudian psychoanalysis and the ways of manipulation in order to use language and advertising in order to get people like into the concept of joining the war. Right, basically the Second World War. So, like, they would introduce phrases like isolationists and collateral damage and stuff like that. There was even a suggestion that basically Tavistock were the first people to suggest doing sort of uh, carpet bombing of civilians with the, um, I forget which one it was, um, I think it was in Freiburg, Germany. Basically, just bomber house, just a bomber house campaign. And this, this predated Guernica. Uh, so, basically, the British. Um, uh, military or Royal Air Force were bombing civilians before the Nazis were bombing civilians as a, as a means of um, causing, you know, the, the loss of morale and stuff like that. But this is the point that they, they take these psychological principles and they, they will apply it to to populations in whatever manner that they can. So, as you say, there's always been this sort of uh, sort of interaction between uh, between the the, the, the groups uh, because this is what say it's not again it's not necessarily to denigrate the institution per se because basically that is just the cream of the psychological crop so basically there will be lots of people who work for Tower Stock who've never been involved in any of this sort of crap like well, most just, of them. the majority yeah, don't know yeah, just getting yeah. on with the job doing like child psychology, helping people with this and that, and blah, 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 blah. And there'll be basically an overriding thing at the top where, um, where they're, you know, they're, they're saying, well, this is useful, this is useful. But the point being that Cambridge Analytica was, it's listed and it is designated as a weapons grade communication tactic or a psychological warfare weapon. So it is, it's it's a weapon, it's a, it's a propaganda weapon. It really, all it does is use sort of like tried and tested advertising techniques, but it's just honed down to such a very fine point. Um, and is done in such a way that the people who are being targeted don't realise they're being targeted. Often they'll use things like sock puppet accounts on the internet, which is basically like just fake personas, and they'll chat to you about stuff in order to rile you up. And these are bots. In, in, in the layman's terms, uh, the videos they may, but sometimes they'll put together specific videos to target certain people, for example, yeah. that yeah. could be full of purely bullshit lies. Oh, totally. 
there's, there's an institute called the Gatestone Institute, which is um, it's it's connected to um, to Cambridge Analytica by sort of board members like Robert Mercer and uh, Nina Rosenwald, who's the person that owns Steers, and Betsy DeVos, who's current Secretary of Education in America and uh, the sister of Eric Prince, who runs Blackwater. And they're also connected with Peter, Peter Thiel of um, Palantir fame. So again, you've got all these different sort of like data mining and sort of intelligence agencies who are sort of cross-contaminating. And what Gatestone Media did was they were putting out, as you say, just like complete nonsense videos uh, in America, in swing states, particularly like um, Bible Belt and stuff like that. And the, the videos genuinely, genuinely showed uh, Germany and France, they, they had fallen to Islam was was the gist of this i mean obviously this didn't happen like but the gist of these things was that al-qaeda or isis had taken over france and germany and now you could now child marriage was allowed and sharia laws there and people were being beheaded and um and it's just it's just nonsense it was a real sort of like red dawn scenario like it, it was just totally totally ludicrous to anybody that, that sort of really knows it's the fact got fake news and yet the irony of it is the vast majority of fake news is manufactured by that was the whole point the governments yeah that was the whole point of trump doing it like i said this like a few years ago on rich planet i said look if anybody else had said the phrases that donald trump had said like fake news if that had been in cuba Everybody had been like, oh, well, that, there you go. If it had been in, like, Korea, everyone would go, oh, there you go, or China, because these are the actions of a dictator. Now, again, I don't trust the media. I'm very well aware of the concept of, like, media bias, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The problem with designating which... The problem with the government designating which are considered, like... Um, viable sources of information is that that is completely dictatorial the problem with anybody limiting the scope of of media output is although it's more the other way actually neil i think the the um i think the hierarchy goals and i'll just throw this out there and then you try and explain this to the viewers i'm sure you will better than me at the top of the tree where you've got your um people we probably don't even know the names of. Mm -hmm. but for this example, I'm going to say your uh, Rothschilds and your Rockefellers, the banksters, the, yeah. the money people. Yeah. And then there's people going down the tree, and then it comes to a point where you've got your media moguls. Yeah. And sort of like 80%, more like 90% probably, of the world's media is owned by about four or five people. Yeah. An example of a major player is Rupert Murdoch. Yeah. In England. And Rupert Murdoch, oh, well, he's worldwide with his media, but in England, he's back, so to speak, every winning horse in every election for decades and decades and decades. Yeah. Basically, if he gets behind you, if his paper gets behind you, or his paper attacks the other people, then you're going to win. Yeah. And clearly, he's told by the people above him who ultimately are told by the banksters, you've wrote Which was the back. Yeah. what to print, who to attack, and who to make the public like or turn against. Yeah. But then also he owns papers where he will put out the alternative narrative so that we can still have that confusion and disorientation and public argument amongst people going on, which makes everyone overall 
easier to manipulate. Oh, yeah, totally, totally. What I was saying was that basically um, the more you narrow the, the field of who produces this media or whatever, the less journalists you have, the less likely you are to have a non-biased opinion. Like, th this is why you get people like a John Pilger or uh, uh, a Carl Bernstein or, 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 or whatever that basically... Um, uh, break away from the media uh, or break away from their own sort of uh, things and have to publish something and say Rolling Stone like like Bernstein did with the, the sort of CIA involvement in the media and stuff like that. Like if you narrow that field you're less likely to get somebody that goes against the party line is what I'm saying and that is essentially what Trump is doing by saying only only listen to Fox News like uh, uh don't listen to cnn don't listen to blah 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 and again whilst of course there are very very legitimate uh, criticisms of every media out there by doing that what you're doing is you're just narrowing your your sort of your your uh, potential for for getting a, a real story out there i would say so you you're totally right it's a it's you're not you're on a losing you're on a loser anyway, because basically, as you said, there's only so many people that actually overarchingly... Murdoch's particularly think. successful at it, and it might sound as though I've got a personal gripe with Murdoch, and I have. Well, uh, <laughs> if you go to circusofthemind.net, you'll see what my personal gripe is. But, um, you know, he, he, he's employees, previous employees, and there's a saying in the media industry that once an employee of Murdoch, always an employee, i.e. you might not be on the payroll, but officially but you still are kind of thing and um, you know david cameron yeah. former prime minister he ended up getting advised by the guy who got done for phone hacking Coulson. Yeah. he ended up work Coulson, done for phone hacking ends up in number 10 as a pr advisor do you know who replaced him go on dominic cummings yeah exactly he's also another murdoch mouthpiece uh yeah. gove uh michael gove is it yeah gove yeah. He used to work for Murdoch, be on the page. And he was in New Frontiers as well. Yeah. Like, this is the same people, same people. Now, here's the thing. There's a Michael Parente quote that, that basically perfectly sums this up, because a lot of journalists and stuff like that will get annoyed by what you've said. And, said, and what they said to Michael Parente was, this is ridiculous. I've worked in this industry for 20 years. Never once have they argued with what I've written. And this is, well, that's because they like what you've written. Yeah, if you write what they like, they're not going to argue with it. If they, if yeah. you write what they don't like, occasionally it might get in if they come yeah. somewhere that it looks as though they're giving a different narrative or a bit of a balance. But if yeah. they don't like it, it just won't make the cut. And there's yeah. no journalist out there who can say that every single article they write when they're on the payroll for a paper makes it because the simple fact is it doesn't happen that way. You submit, unless you're told to write a feature article, you submit articles. And it um, might get any might not. And, and they pick the best and then the others go. But it's perceived as they pick the best. Yeah. But also it can be what suits their agenda most at the time. Yeah, totally. I mean, again, this is the thing you'd say. We don't have a reliant media. Like, because basically, like, you've got... Um, You've, you say you've got CNN basically being totally anti-Trump. You've got Fox being totally pro-Trump. So you're not getting a coherent message from anything. What well, I find quite... Police officers selling yeah. information to newspapers. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you've got corrupt police officers in Scotland Yard selling stuff to newspapers, for example, um, which there is proof of, and that is one of the things that... Levinson Inquiry Part 2 was supposed the, to look into. 
the information wars got to the point where basically as well like everything is just so built on tropes and truisms rather than actual facts like i guarantee if you went on facebook right now and put um what political um what political sort of ideas does the bbc hold and i bet you get hundreds and hundreds of people saying oh well they're lefty aren't they they're obviously like they're, they're practically communist aren't they and it's like they're not though are they because they're run by the british like you know they're run by the ministry of defense essentially they've got d notices they've had nigel farage is the most uh like most consistent guest on uh question time he hasn't even got a political party they give a voice and a platform to tommy robinson you've got laura kunisberg who if she's not mi5 i'll cut my little finger off people like tommy robinson and these people that pop up um you know that apparently you know if they're doing stuff that We'll say that when they do stuff that's illegal, obviously the full weight of the law should come down on them, obviously. But then there's an argument about whether they should be given a voice or are they being racist. But the fact is, when you look closely, they get funding randomly from places. Well, do you know where where Tony Robinson gets it from? Rebel Media and Gatestone Media. You know, the media's outlets that were doing this. Which ultimately links back into Cambridge Analytica and stuff. Yeah, it's further enough, to some degree, traces back to the British government, yeah. secret services, and yeah. Mossad, who have uh, Black black Cube, Black Box? Black Cube, Black, black Cube, yeah. But yeah, Mossad is the, um, Black Cube is essentially um, the Israeli version of um, uh, Cambridge Analytica. It's, it, it's run by the same people. It's got a chap called Vincent Chengui, who's basically on the board of Cambridge Analytica and on the board of Black Cube. It's under export control by the IDF and um so when you look at that when you look at that and also bear in mind when you examine and look there's evidence there that the likes of your um rothschilds funded the banks funded both sides of all major wars Mm -hmm. so they gave money to the enemy as perceived well i mean from it they're all one aren't they yeah, yeah, totally, totally. I mean, the, the main thing that Black Cube did was it, it basically did the campaign for uh, Viktor Orban, who's the uh, dictator of, um, uh, where is it, uh, Hungary at the minute, basically. And um, it's very strange that he's being put forward as like this concept like of being, this again, it's all lies. He's basically one of the, the architects of this, oh, the refugee crisis, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and complaining that that it's encroaching on European culture, which is strange because basically he caused it. Like aside from the fact that he's been put in place by Mossad on a on a, on a like a complete throne of lies and just nonsense. Um, he's the person that basically caused the crisis uh, a couple of years ago because rather than. All these refugees were going on trains through Hungary, right? They weren't supposed to stop in Hungary. Hungary said, we're not taking any refugees. And people have gone, well, that's a bit selfish, but fine, whatever. They're on the way to here, here, here and here. What Viktor Orban did was he'd stop the trains in Hungary, put them all onto coaches in their thousands, send them to France, Spain and Germany and just leave them there. Right. Causing the problem, causing the actual problem. And then he goes on the television and goes, well, this is George Soros. And it's like, oh, come on. Yeah. Interesting. Victor Orman actually had his education paid for him by George Soros. Right. 
Yeah, George Soros, all this stuff about George Soros, like George Soros had done more for Hungary than anybody else. He basically he just like stripped out the the, hung, uh, the old communist thing. He put huge amounts of his own money into public um, public sort of thing, you know, building leisure centers, that type of thing. In Hungary, George Soros was a hero because he's basically one of the people that was stripping away the vestiges of the old totalitarian communist regime. And so what is very, very interesting to me to see all the stuff that comes out against George Soros, because it is admitted Mossad propaganda. It came from two lawyers called Finkelstein and Birnbaum. And they basically they've, they've come out on record and said, we're surprised that people bought this because almost everything that we've said about George Soros, the opposite was true. Now, this isn't me defending George Soros or saying that he's a very good person or whatever, but all of this tying in together with the migrant crisis and trying to destroy various places like Macedonia and uh, blah, 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 blah. It's just not true. And it turns out that the actually the opposite is true. Now, I still think that he's actually a CIA agent and they used his money to overthrow the former Yugoslavia. I don't think he's a good person but for example he like in right-wing um media they're trying to say that basically it was george soros that was behind the color revolution in ukraine where you know pushenko was put in and there was that sort of like uh, proxy war against Russia where Pushenko was ended up being thallium poisoned or whatever it was that he was poisoned with i forget like but if you go on SCL's website, which doesn't exist, but if you use the Wayback Machine and go on SCL's website, they proudly admit to being responsible for the colour revolution. So it was Cambridge Analytica. So again, you've got this, basically, you've got Marsan, you've got a series of very, very right-wing politicians that are basically got this encroaching control mechanism where they they're basically you've got people in like you've got Alice Waddell, you've got Victor Salvini, you've got um you've got Victor Orban, uh, Matteo Salvini, sorry, you've got the guy in uh, Czechoslovakia, you've got Gert Wilders, you've got Nigel Farage and to a lesser extent Boris Johnson, you've got people in Nigeria, Kenya, you've got Modi in India, right? All of these people are being positioned as um anti-establishment, men of the people fighting against this horrible left-wing uh, uh, conspiracy. And if you look at it, every single one of those people is financed by the same people. Every single one of those people uses against own media. Every single one of them is connected to the free market think tanks, which are run by the CIA and MI5, like the IFT, like the Heritage Foundation, like the Adam Smith Institute. Every single one of them has the exact same policies. Not a single one of them has a nationalistic policy, and yet they're all basically running on this concept of nationalism. Not actually promoting anything nationalistic, just telling you that other people are coming over the border and they're going to be brown and different. Mm. And, and so that's what people don't like, what these is what's strange to me is that basically you get this coordinated effort and if you take a step back, you go, oh, this is nonsense, isn't it? This is a con, right? Okay, and all of these different people are basically connected to this same um, mind control experiment, for want of a better phrase. And so, so it's this, they're all connected, to. and the evidence is there, and especially yeah. people don't take any of what I'm saying on Neil saying as read independently research it. I have done, and I can tell you he's right. And if you want a good starting point, again, I mention his books, Your Thoughts Are Not Your Own, Volume 1 and 2, and in particular, Cambridge Analytica, The Data Deception and the Web of Popularism, all of which are available at the link neilsandersmindcontrol.com that will be below this video. But 
the evidence is, though, that they all root back, whether it's media moguls, they're being controlled by the money people. Whether yeah. it's politicians, they're being controlled by the money people. The money people, yeah. the banksters, your Rothschilds, your Rockefellers and all this. Now, there may even be people above them that we don't even know the names of that we haven't seen. Probably. Um, but is this effectively, this is the so-called Illuminati. Yeah, for want of a better expression, this is the point. Like, it's one of these weird, really weird things where where the people i mean there are things like obviously bohemian grove and last circle and bilderberg and stuff like that whether they get together and have headed note paper that says illuminati and go oh john we're going down illuminati club next week or anything like that i think the concept is it like where i don't know I, I honestly don't know i've seen a lot of evidence well, there was the bavarian illuminati that yeah 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 it was but then the concept of that was to infiltrate uh, the Freemasons around well, the world yeah, I mean, this, invisible hiding inside another society. You've got incredibly wealthy people at the top end of society that wish to stay at the top end of society and they don't wish to change their wealth. Now, I am more leaning towards um, the sort of, it's more a bit, I, I keep saying it's a bit more like sort of Mount Olympus in as much as basically you've got all these gods who are a bit crap really. They're not like all powerful they often make mistakes and stuff like that and they're vying against each other they're basically they're all right because they're all going to stay on mount olympus but it's like who's got the best seat so to speak and so at the minute you've got a load of very right-wing people um heritage foundation christian evangelicals and stuff like that uh, through things like cambridge Analytica and the sort of right-wing uh, aspects of the british military establishment they're trying to sort of impose a certain type of thing at, at some point you'll get somebody else there's like um tom stayer or whatever who's a left-wing billionaire that's going to come in like and you'll get the hillary crap and stuff like that but the fundamental things that this is one of the things that annoys me about when people say oh it'd be much worse thank god donald trump's not perfect but it'd be much worse under hillary and it's like how? Oh, we'll be at war. Well, we are at war. America's currently at war with eight different countries, right? Okay. Donald Trump upped drone strikes against civilian targets by about 200%, right? And Obama was a maniac for that. Trump is far, far worse. It's just that nobody seems to be paying any attention to what he's doing. He's also introduced a law that means that America no longer reports civilian deaths caused by American military, which essentially means that they're covering up war crimes. The other things that he's done is roll back workers' rights, roll back environmental protections, roll back corporate oversight, and he's also basically given a massive, massive tax break to the top one percent what well, he doing? he's doing what he's told to do isn't he because he was well, kind of he was, told he was to kind do. of audition for the job wasn't he uh, oh he, he was in fact he was absolutely auditioned in front of the heritage foundation and the cmp and they basically made sure that he, he, he implemented their policies which were from the mandate for leadership which is a policy document that they produce every single time that there's an election and thus far he's done 65% of what they've asked him to do which means basically they're quite happy to sort of let him go now to be quite honest because he's basically done everything that, that they, they want him to do um, but, but what gets me is that blindness where basically regardless of the facts as are presented people are still clinging on to the yeah well it would be worse if we were with Hillary Clinton. It's like, no, it wouldn't be worse if we'd be here with Hillary Clinton. It would be exactly the same. Exactly the same. And yeah. that's what gets me. 
I couldn't agree with you more, but this segues on my notes into why would people and there's right, there's people who get into politics, they have the best of intentions, they yeah. genuinely, genuinely do, and they'd love to do what they can to change the world, and uh, uh, but then randomly they'll get exposed in the media for being gay, or they'll get um or they'll get framed for underage sex or or some scandal will come out to discredit them and die, ruin them because like, they tore the party line. Well, they'll die with a pair of stockings on their head and an amyl nitrate laced orange shoved in their mouth. Like, and it's like, yeah, that was a real one as well. Or they'll fall off, like, fall off a cliff whilst hiking. Like, <laughs> the question is this, and it links back again because all of this does link back to Tavistock Institute and MK Ultra. Mm-hmm. MK Ultra, trauma-based mind control, sexual yeah. abuse. Monarch yeah. mind control slaves. Yeah. And the idea that through trauma you can compartmentalize somebody's brain. Uh, conventional psychiatry calls it multiple personality disorder. Um, but that this can be done purposely so you can have trigger words or images to open up the one personality that gets sexually abused, for example. Yeah. And doesn't remember it and gets hand, handed around as a sex slave to politicians so that yeah. that can be filmed secretly by the powers that be, yeah. banksters, to use as compromat blackmail material to get yeah. on. Yeah, Sidney Gottlieb was doing this in the 60s, basically. Like, it's it was admitted um, in, uh, in a presidential committee. Um, there was at least three girls that, that received an apology for this. Uh, Claudia Mullin um, uh, was one. Christine Dinacola was another one. I can't remember the other lady's name off the top of my head. But essentially, they were they were sort of children, sort of seven, nine years old. They were being trained to be prostitutes, and the whole point of that was, as you quite rightly say, to sort of entrap uh, business leaders and other politicians uh, and that that type of thing. Um, and it's remarkably similar to uh, the Epstein thing. I mean, like I've been talking about this for, for quite a few years, but basically the, the Epstein was transporting underage prostitutes across borders into countries on private jets and stuff like that. The sort of stuff where you just can't get away with that, like normally. Um, and then it's found that all of his properties where, and like his islands and his Malibu beach, beach hut and stuff like that, beach huts, it's a mansion, like, um, they're all wired for sound, and this is the point, basically, like, there seems to be dignitaries there, and, like, high-profile celebrities, um, and it seems to be, as, as you say, a sort of a, a blackmail uh, type scenario, where, basically, people are filmed with in compromising situations, and, uh, and then that's used it's just America's Jimmy Savile. Yeah, we had the British TV presenter Jimmy Savile, and it appears you know he had links, friends with royalty, powerful politicians. He was given the keys to bloody Broadmoor Mental. It's, it's the fact that he was the the biggest one is the fact that he got the knighthood and that he was vetted to spend so many Christmases with uh, Margaret Thatcher, like because the the amount of background research that they do uh, before they give someone a knighthood is just astonishing. Right, I'll give you an example. Okay, my mate, my mate's dad, 
he's an engineer and like when we were at school he he was offered a job for the mod like um and he didn't tell us much the only one that he said he told us about this missile that would hit a tank and the explosion was so uh there's something about the explosion that was so sort of uh, reactive that it sucked all the oxygen out of the air and it, it in such a way that the tank would collapse in on itself and crush everybody inside so like they, they, these are the sort of mental levels of, of thought that are going on to it anyway he get he got limousine basically almost black bagged him he was just walking to work one day and the black limousine pulls up and military guys get in the back dave like and um <laughs> seriously he was taken off and interrogated for ages basically saying so we know about this affair that you've been having are you going to come clean about it or are we going to tell your wife now he hadn't been having an affair these were just tactics that they were seeing to see how he would crack and over the next couple of weeks he'd have friends phone you up and say who the hell are you working for at the minute? Because we've had police and military intelligence and people phoning up, asking about your background and seeing if there's anything we can blackmail you with and all the such. So the point being that if they were that thorough about somebody that is just working as an engineer on sort of experimental weapons systems and stuff like that, mm. what do you think they're going to do with somebody that they're going to like um, uh, give a knighthood? like they're going to be very 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 thorough so the idea the very idea that it was an open secret uh, what jimmy savile was getting up to and the people who vetted him for a knighthood and to see if that he was safe to go and eat at checkers didn't know this I mean, it's, it's nonsense like peter morrison who was an aide to um thatcher um who was it, it was edwina curry wrote a letter to thatcher saying he's a good man but i'm a bit worried that he's a pederast right <laughs> And it's like, what? <laughs> that like, and and they just said, oh, I'll be fine, it's all right. And and um, then who was the other guy? Did the, the whip, Michael something? I forget his name, but he's on record saying, well, if you've got a problem, you know, you get caught with young boys, something like that. Come to us, we'll we'll help sort it out. And it's like, serious. Well, did go on because you know proofs come out now, hasn't it? That you know MRI intervened to cover up the likes of Smith, uh, the British yeah, MP. And there was something, I mean, again, I, I don't know with this, um, the recent guy, the guy that basically, uh, I forget his name, the bloke the, the that was talking about all the audience that have, has now been thrown in prison for lying and stuff like that. Oh, it was going on about our males, guest tales and... Yeah, um, yeah. Now, this is strange there's something very strange about that in as much as, now, he may well be lying because basically all the stuff that he found, like you or I could have found on the internet. I don't know about that, but the one thing that, that that got me in that case was they somebody stepped on it to make sure that Harvey Proctor, because Harvey Proctor was one of the, the, the people accused of it, he's got previous form for being with underage rent boys. That was purposely kept out of, of the, the current discussion around that. Um, but... Mm, I don't know why. And Grenville Janner as well, basically, now they're saying, yeah, well, it looks like he did do all that stuff, didn't he? But he's dead now, so there's nothing we can do about it. Well, I I'm pretty sure that will come out that the same thing uh, about Leon Britton uh, will come out in, in years, uh, you know, in a few years down the line. They're basically, oh, no, actually, it looks like he, he, he was uh, a little bit, uh, um, you know, adventurous. 
Now, you know, it may be, you know, some of these people that get exposed, it may be that they were not naturally inclined that way and they were coerced, drugged and then put into situations initially uh, for them to get compromat material and then forced yeah. to do it again because otherwise the compromat material they had would be released. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. I mean, like, the there's all sorts of ways that you can get somebody into bother um and yeah and you know governments kill people they're not they're like at the drop of a hat they'll, they'll kill thousands of people if it serves their sort of purposes um and justify it so if you don't think that they'll basically ruin the lives of, of, of a couple of people in order to you know, get get whatever favourable conditions going on for them. Then, then I'm sorry, you're a bit naive as to how the world runs. Um, like, yeah, I mean, it's 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 very very sort of complicated how how these things, uh, how all of these things go basically. Like uh, as well, and like, and then you find that the world is even more complicated than that. And like people that basically that you might think have like a perfectly legitimate. Um, do you know that a lot of Palestinian groups that are sort of fighting in the suppression of the Israeli state, they're actually financed by Nazis, like proper Nazis, like um, Janu, who's the guy that basically financed um, uh, Carlos the Jackal uh, and uh, the Algerian um, sort of resistance fighters and stuff like that. And the reason he's doing it is because he just simply doesn't like Jewish people. And then you've got other people in the CNP who are hard, hardcore Nazis that actually sort of quite like the concept of uh, Israel because Israel's got for for a one of a better phrase the emergence of an ethno state or, or a um, a very sort of self-contained hierarchical order um, kind of quasi apartheid and so so this is the point is like life is massively massively more complicated than people think and there's loads and loads of people behind the scenes manipulating you but this is, this is the point it's hypnosis it's mind control it's getting people basically looking at just the surface aspect of it and reacting to that rather than thinking in the same way that basically you react to this guy's finger and you, you know you're getting more quiet and more quiet and quiet and blah 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 done and you, and it doesn't work if you're thinking if you're sat there going Oh, I know what he's doing. Mm. He's 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 trying to distract me with with it's his of attention on one thing to the exclusion of everything else. This is the point. Faculty bypass. Yeah, now, that's yeah. A description for hypnosis, but also it's the description for fixate or argue over this thing amongst yourself, populace. Exactly. So you're distracted from this and you're not analysing it. Yeah, and when does when does hypnosis not work? When they actively uh, try and resist it. Mm. Uh, do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, obviously there's ways of getting around it and stuff like that. But you know, that is the the ways and means that you can. No, you're not going to hypnotise me because I'm sat there and doing it. Low level. No offence to people watching. Low level hypnotherapy or stage hypnosis. Yeah, if the person purposely goes, you're not hypnotising me unless you suddenly use a real shock, fear, yeah, you, and <laughs> type induction. You're unlikely to get them. If you use the kind of tech trauma-based mind control techniques or rather the principles of them of yeah. emotional manipulation 
then you very easily can bypass those types of people. In the same way that a magic trick, if basically if you've seen if you've seen the behind the scenes and you know that that lady's actually just pulled her legs up to her chest and you've not cut her in half, it's far less. Uh, yeah, it's far less. Oh, I'm going to get kicked out of the magic circle now. Uh, it's far less impressive. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's far less impressive. And in the same way that basically these manipulation techniques, if you take a step back and you go, oh, I see what you're doing. You're trying to make me frightened of Muslims so that you can do this. Right. Then it doesn't work in the same way. So basically in the same way that basically if you've got an idea of their intent, you can fight against it. That, that That's what I'm saying is that basically not dissimilar to the ways and means that you could um uh, the ways and means advertising becomes ridiculously pointless when you go. So hang on, the, you're selling me to this on the understanding that Wayne Rooney also wears them. I give a shit about Wayne Rooney, and then all of a sudden it's powerless. However, I've got to say, in terms of marketing, advertising, promotion, sales, you have got to treat yourself to a copy of Neil's DVD, The Dark Art of Marketing, subtitled Welcome to Sell. As in welcome to hell. It is tongue in cheek. It is hilarious, but it is scaringly true. One of the best exposés of how people are emotionally manipulated to take money. Oh, thank you very much for that. That's, uh, that's very kind of you. But uh, but yeah, this is the point. I think this is the point. This is what we're, we've been talking about the whole point. It's about manipulation, and manipulation either works on sort of a lie, like it's good, it's too good to be true, or it's on it's on fear, like the the sky is falling or whatever. And I think these are the best ways of 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 dealing with these these types of manipulation is by being to an extent dispassionate about it by, by separating yourself from it and, and trying to get the overarching picture rather than the sort of like, as you say, the focus, because if you, if that's the whole point. They're trying to make you focus on this um, so that they don't notice this. And, and, and I think that's, that is the, the most sort of effective technique for, for it all is basically just remain calm and try and think about, what it is that they're actually doing because everything is sort of in, in like massive extremes like this is why everyone's gone down to the shop because basically it's like oh i need to like get enough food to live don't on get scared by him what we're saying is true be aware of it but don't yeah. let it scare you because the thing is this then they can still win because fear is a state where you're in that fight flight freeze mode yeah. and you become more suggestible yeah. So don't be scared by it. You've got to just look at the facts and go, well, that's going on. What can I do and, uh, and, and be calm about it? Because with this coronavirus thing, tying it all together, mm -hmm. the media are instilling fear into people. Mm -hmm. And ironically, when people are in fear and the fight, flight, freeze thing produces more cortisol in the body, um, your immune system actually lowers. Right. Or likely to catch something than you would have done, or if you get it, you're more likely to have a more adverse effect to it than you would have done if you were calm and relaxed. Breathe yeah. deeply in through your nose, out through your mouth. Follow a bit of meditation or self-hypnosis, uh, because when you're calm and relaxed, your immune system can be boosted. Uh, yeah. That makes sense, right? Okay, I know this, this sounds ridiculous, right? Okay, but um, it's true. There's a girl, 
And she's got this condition where for some reason she has absolutely no fear of anything. And she's been ran over about six times, like properly ran over, like wheels gone over her and anything. And and, and she's never broken a bone. Um, Full cars have gone over this girl many, many times. And because she has no fear, she doesn't tense up. I know this sounds ridiculous, but it's a very extreme example of what you're saying. She doesn't tense up. She doesn't react. So she just and it's like what? And 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 because of that, that they assume um, this is why this girl seems to be sort of to a degree impervious to harm because she has no fear of it. Um, which is which, which well, is people when they're completely pissed out of their head. Yeah, fall down some steps and. They're a bit sore the next day, but they've not broken any bones yet. If they were yeah. sober and did the same thing, because they tense up through fear, they'd yeah. end up in hospital. Yeah, it's the overthinking of it sometimes, isn't it, as well? Like, that's that's the point. I mean, there's that famous story as well of the Napoleonic Wars of the gentleman who'd, like, got his leg blown off by a cannon because he didn't realise it. He just did carrying on until somebody pointed out. Well, it's true. You can be cutting vegetables. Everyone, well, not everyone, but a lot of people probably had that experience. You're cutting stuff. And you might be talking to someone, you might turn, and you've cut yourself, but you don't actually know you have. Until you see it. Your finger, you see it, that moment, that second, brain signal goes, I've cut myself, and you go, ah, panic, and suddenly it starts throbbing and all that. We can help you reprogram your mind, your personal laptop computer, to effectively turn off that negative signal to overcome the pain, which is what you do with people who've got long-term arthritis or not um so on the one hand it is a lot more simple than it may appear on the other hand it's a lot more complicated as people at home as therapists you may never have thought about the fact that at the root it's about emotional manipulation the way i teach hypnosis in the boot camp is about pain pleasure Mm. about being um sorry yeah pain or pleasure fear or laughter um being scared or relaxed it's about the extremes and manipulating that person's current beliefs thoughts emotions and ideas to take them where they need to be or want to be when it's being done with positive intent yeah we've also talked in the past hour or so about how the powers that be are your tavistock institutes your mk ultra projects your secret services psyops use these techniques to instill fear in people to distract you from what's going on over here to make you believe things that you wouldn't have normally believed and that is why one of the biggest favors you could do yourself is go to neilsandersmindcontrol.com the link below this video and get neil's books and dvd study them i promise you don't believe a single word of it until you've uh you know independently researched it yourself i've done that and i would say everything in there is true but i encourage you to find the truth for yourself also i would recommend the second link below this video that you go and rent the documentary extreme danger extreme hypnosis neil's in it i'm in it gareth ike david ike son's in it dr robin kelly and you will see examples of how in education politics the political system religion all areas of life 
these techniques are being used to arguably brainwash, manipulate, and control. That is a really good documentary. Like, I know I'm in it, like, but I'm very much a supporting player. Like, um, but I've watched it a couple of times. It's a really, it's not, it's, it's very informative, but it's actually, it's a great documentary. It takes you on a journey. It's, it's really quite poignant, I found as well. I was very surprised when I first watched it to see some of the content on there. And it's like, it's really good. It's really, really good film. Cheers. Um, thanks for being. And you said he, he he wasn't in it much, but the truth, what's in there, it's quality. As you will see <laughs> when you go there, which is one of the reasons why, having read uh, Neil's books, watched his DVD, seen his contribution, and also seen go on YouTube, type in Neil Saunders, and wow, he's been on numerous podcast interviews and stuff, and always gold. So check them out as well. Neil, it has been an absolute pleasure. I think by strange. I had numerous notes galore, and we have actually covered everything on 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 this list. Excellent. So, by the way, uh, there is also a website iconic.com. Yeah. I C K O N I C dot com. It's a pay to view, a yearly subscription site, uh, but you can get your first thirty days for free, free trial at the minute. And on oh. uh, um, Neil has got a series called The Program. Uh, which is, again, the same tongue-in-cheek comedic presentation as his Welcome to Sell DVD, but covering mind control in all its areas and facets in the world. Um, and I must get to see that at some point, because I'm not actually a member of Iconic at the moment. Oh, right, fair play. I'm quite pleased with the way uh, the way that that series turned out. We didn't have a huge amount of time to write it or even to to film it, so there, it's 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 a little rushed. But uh, I'm still quite pleased with the way it turned out. Mostly to say I had a very good director and editor as well. So, well, Richard Alexander yeah. Willett was involved in that. Who also was involved in the production of Extreme Danger, Extreme Hypnosis. Uh, yes. Yeah. So yeah, thank you, Neil, for setting aside this time in your massively busy schedule as we're on uh pretend lockdown well technically i'm at work so don't tell anybody that i did this all right <laughs> ah that could be problematic i was going to do it live later we didn't film this on the 23rd we filmed this on sunday the 22nd it's all right it's all right it's all going on up here i'm, I'm working in my head excellent. excellent thank you neil it's been an absolute pleasure thanks oh, you. Pleasure, for another edition of hypnosis week at hypnosis week Com. Check out the links below this video, grab Neil's box. We'll see you again soon. Bye for now.